we have in Jesus Christ with the people of Turkey. Uh, if you don't know much about that country, it's like 98% Muslim. Well, this pastor, Andrew Brunson, was arrested about two years ago and had been in jail the whole time. And it was just by the grace of God that he was released this week from jail in Turkey. And he's back home in the United States. So praise God for that. Uh, so good news are happening. God is good. You know, we just sang that praise song, God is so good. The Bible says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And we do celebrate God's goodness. Now, while we're celebrating God's goodness, we also have to admit that the world that we live in is not always good. In fact, the world we live in, there's a lot wrong with our world today. Uh, if you're living in the Florida panhandle, or somewhere in the southeast of Alabama, uh, or southeast of Alabama, southwest Georgia, you were in the path of a terrible hurricane that passed this week, Hurricane Michael. And somehow, you know, what, you know what we usually pray with the hurricanes is as they're coming toward the coast, we're praying that they lose steam, they lose their power, and they just turn into a tropical storm right away. This particular Hurricane increased in power the last day or two before it hit the coast. It became a Category 4. In fact, it said it was the most powerful hurricane to hit the U.S. in the last 50 years. So there's still, I mean, there's still uh, a number of people. I think it was 24 people who, who were killed uh, in that hurricane. That's nothing, I, I mean, as bad as that is, and we pray for the recovery for that hurricane, that's nothing compared to what happened to Indonesia in the last couple of weeks because in Sulawesi, one of the islands out there, they had an earthquake and a tsunami and over 5,000 people are either perished or still missing. So, I mean, there are still many, many bad things that, that are happening in our world today. You know, in our Christian faith, we have a God who is eternal, he's all-loving, he's all-powerful, and yet we have such things in our world. We have hurricanes and earthquakes and famine and diseases like cancer that kill millions of people every single year. And many of us look around in this world and we say, you guys say God is good, but I don't see a lot of good happening in this world today. Sometimes we throw up our hands and we say, God, why don't you move? Why don't you do something about it. Why don't you intervene? God, if you are really good, why don't you get rid of the evil that is in the world today? And so that's our question. God, why don't you get rid of evil? And as we go into this message, I really, I really depend on the Lord's help to try to get this message across and, and get it clear. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to understand uh, our world uh, to the degree that we can. We want to understand the revelation that you give us from your word that helps us to understand how good and evil can coexist in this world. And we wonder about all the bad things that happen. Where are you in the midst of it? So, Father, help us to understand. We pray for the illumination from your spirit. We pray that you'll show us uh, how to think uh, like Christians, like followers who understand uh, what you are doing in the world today. Lord, help us to, uh, to be able to grasp, um, to be able to overcome uh, our ignorance and sometimes our misunderstandings with what's going on in the world today. Lord, we love you and we believe that you are good. And so help us to figure out why and how all this stuff is going on. Lord, we depend on you and your spirit. 
Please fill all our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So theists are, are those who acknowledge the existence of God. And this is what theists believe about God and evil. And this is the dilemma that happens when you talk about God, who's, who we believe God is love and God is good and God is powerful. Uh, we believe all these things about God and yet there's evil that exists in the world today. And so these are some of the questions. These are some of the issues that we have to wrestle with. And this is going to be one of those messages that it's going to be, well, I wish you'd just wrap it up in a bow right away. Uh, it's not going to be easy to wrap this one up in a bow. So I want you to keep thinking and keep tracking with me. First, the first dilemma is if God is all-knowing, then he knows about all the evil. He knows the end from the beginning, so God knows about all the evil even before it happens. The second thing about God is if God is all-powerful, then God has the ability to stop evil anytime he wants to. He could intervene anytime he wants to and stop it, and yet oftentimes he doesn't. If God is all good, he would want to stop it. In other words, if God being all good and completely opposed to evil, wouldn't he, anytime he saw evil, wouldn't he just have to, to, to move and, and go forth and intervene and stop evil from happening or stop it from continuing? And yet, we see the world in, in which we live today, and we see that God doesn't always stop it, or at least God hasn't stopped it yet. And so when we talk about these things and we see these dilemmas, atheists or those who do not believe in God, they will step in and they'll say, aha, do you see the problem that you followers of Christ have? Um, you say, come on, now something's got to give in this equation. Either one or more of those assumptions that you Christians make about God, one of them has to give. Either he's not all-knowing or he's not all-powerful or God isn't all-good or God just doesn't care as much as you think he cares about what goes on in this world today. Now, I think it's interesting when an atheist when an atheist comes up to a believer in God or a theist and say, you know, you got a problem believing in God because of all the evil that's in the world today, uh, the, of course, the, the, the logical comeback for the follower of Christ is to say, why are you talking to me about evil? Why are you talking to me about good? Because if there's no God, then there's no transcendent moral standard for good and evil that's in the world today anyway. So why are you even talking about, you know, if God, you know, if your God is good, then why doesn't he do something about the evil? Because if there is no God, there's no such thing as good or evil. There's just preferences uh, between different people and their value systems, right? So the atheists will say, well, either your God isn't powerful enough to stop evil, or he's not good enough to care about stopping evil, or God just isn't all-knowing and maybe doesn't know the future after all. And so somehow we Christians get thrown in a dilemma and we figure that, that somehow one of God's divine attributes we must have made a mistake about. I want to address three questions about evil. I want to talk about evil today and why, God, why don't you get rid of evil? And I want to address these three questions. Number one, the first question is, is evil real? Is there really such a thing as evil? Is there really such a thing as good? And if there is such a thing as evil, then what is evil? What is the, what is the understanding from God's point of view of what evil is? 
And then number three, is there an answer to evil? Does God really care enough to do something about it? And will he do something about uh, stopping evil in the world today? So let's, let's take on the first question. Uh, is evil real? There's a professor at Biola and Talbot University in Southern California. His name is Dr. William Lane Craig. That's not him. <laughs> William Lane Craig says that the, the evil in Christianity is a problem. Uh, Christ, evil certainly is a problem out there in the world today. But what he wants us to remind us of is before uh, human beings all start pointing to all the evil that's out in the world today and say, you know, look at that. Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. Look at the evil that's out there. He says, evil certainly is out there, but evil is also out an internal problem. Because when you and I talk about evil, you and I are both, are all implicated in the evil. And, I, and I'm not going to explain it just yet, but I want you to think about that. Whenever we talk about evil that's out there, we are also implicated in that accusation. There is a great uh, Russian writer who came in the 20th century. His name is Alexander Solzhenitsyn. That is a photograph of him. Um, doesn't look very happy, does he? But, you know, it, by the way, I took a trip to Romania in 1996. We went on a mission uh, trip with our church, and we were there to help evangelize and, and build up the church. It was a few years after the fall of the Soviet Union and communism, and so even in Romania, they were trying to figure out how to do life without living under communism, which governed everything in their, in their society. And one of the things that we remarked on as as Westerners was going to Romania and taking picture, taking a photo with a Romanian new friend that we'd made. And every one of the, every one of the pictures, when we'd look at the picture, they'd all be like this. And they'd be like, you know, if you have the joy of the Lord, notify your face, you know. What, why aren't you smiling? Why, why are you, you know, sitting there like you're taking a prison photo or like you just got a DUI and, and you're being booked down at the county jail? And, and the reason, I, I did get an explanation for it. He said the reason that we are kind of non-expressive in our face was because that's how we lived under communism. You didn't want to stand out. You didn't want to be that one that would be like that, that uh, picture where, you know, God is pointing to you and you're the red one and everyone else is black. You didn't want to stand out in a crowd. So the best place to be was anonymous. And the best thing to do was just not look at anybody in the eye for too long and not give any expression at all. And so they learned that expression to survive in a communist society. It's kind of sad. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he tells the story of his days as a prisoner in a forced labor camp in Siberia. Now, the Russian name for it was the Gulag. And he wrote a book in 1973, and it was called The Gulag Archipelago. Solzhenitsyn, he was a soldier in the Red Army during World War II. And during the war, he wrote some letters to a friend in which he was critical of Joseph Stalin. Can you imagine that? Criticizing the leader of your country. I can't imagine what would happen to somebody like that in America today. They'd probably throw him a parade. But anyway... Um, he was critical of Joseph Stalin and the government, and that's why uh, after the war he was arrested because, of course, they read everybody's mail, nothing's private in a communist society, and everybody spies on everybody else. And so somebody found this letter and reported it to the government, and they arrested him, and they sent him off to Siberia. 
And where winter temperatures, by the way, were plummeting to regular temperatures of 20 to 30 degrees below zero. Solzhenitsyn spent 10 brutal years in that gulag in Siberia. And he noticed, he noticed how the prison guards and how cruel many of them were to the prisoners. These guards did terrible things to prisoners, abusive things. And it was all based on their worldview. It was based on the prisoners or it was based on the guards' worldview of this us and them mentality. Because as good Soviet communists, they firmly believed in ideology that provided a justification and an excuse for their actions. If somebody's anti-communist, if somebody's anti-government, if somebody is critical of our great society, then they ought to be punished and they don't deserve any respect and they, they certainly de deserve to be abused until they give up that false ideology. So Solzhenitsyn, he wrote about the nature of evil. He said, he said it was so easy to devolve into, quote, us and them. In our day, it is so easy to have two camps. It's so easy to have two tribes. You know, the good guys, which is us, whoever your group of us is. And then there's the them, which are the bad guys. So in other words, it's not a respecter of individuals. It's not a civil society anymore. We've divided into tribes and camps and groups, and it's now us and them. And instead of seeing the other person who disagrees with you as a human being made in the image of God, we label the opposition. We, uh, I, we demonize them. We dehumanize them in order for us to justify the harm that we think they're doing to us. You know, if it were only that simple, that there's good and bad, and, and the, the, if whatever tribe you are is good is allowed to abuse the bad, if it were only that simple, because Solzhenitsyn goes on and he said what he saw in himself, what he saw in the other prisoners, what he saw in the guards during those 10 years in the gulag in Siberia, he says, gradually it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, not through classes, not between political parties either. The line between good and evil passes right through every human heart. That same tendency to do evil is present in my heart and it is also present in your heart. James, the author of that book in the New Testament, he puts it this way. He says evil is present in our speech James says this, he says, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. It is full of deadly poison. Jesus talks about evil and he says evil begins on the inside of us. Look what he says in Mark's gospel in chapter seven. He says, for it is from within. It is out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, Malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils, Jesus says, come from the inside and they are what defile a person. So evil isn't just out there. Evil is also in here. Now, the second question is not is evil real? Because I do believe evil is real. The second question is, what is evil and how do we understand it? How does evil differ from good? I mean, somebody can say, obviously, something is good and this is evil. But what is it that makes evil evil? 
Well, one biblical index defines evil as that which is morally or physically harmful. It's either harmful to you if you practice it, or it's harmful to other people if you practice whatever you're doing on them. So you can ask some of these other philosophical questions. Well, not just the way we treat other people, but what about diseases in our world? What about natural disasters? Is cancer evil? Does cancer cause harm? It certainly does. Is a hurricane evil? Is a plague evil? Is genocide evil? Is repeated abuse evil? Is a school shooting evil? Is a firestorm evil? I think the answer is, is obvious. I think they all are. They all say, Jesus and Paul and James and John, they all say evil is real. They say it's not just a person's preferences. It's what a person says or what they do that causes harm or causes hurt to another person. So when we talk about what is evil, it is that which is morally or physically harmful to another person. You know, and I think we can thank one of our church fathers. You know, Christianity is, a, is the religion that we practice, the faith that we have in God through our, his son, Jesus Christ. And Christianity is about 2,000 years old, ever since the coming of Christ to Palestine in the first century. And we've been blessed over 2,000 years to have certain church leaders, certain thinkers, certain philosophers to help us advance our understanding of our world and our theology in the world today. Now, this, this church father, his name was Augustine. He was a church father that lived in the fourth century. He was a wild and reckless man in his non-religious youth. He was a man who admitted chasing women and pleasure before he finally decided to yield his life to God and follow Jesus. And so Augustine lived in the fourth century in the last years of the Roman Empire. And when Augustine finally turned his intellect toward Christian theology, he had to confront a heresy that was rampant in the Roman world at that time. The heresy stemmed out of Greek philosophy and Platonism, and the heresy was called dualism. Dualism. Have any of you heard of that, that philosophy? Dualism. Uh, um, it doesn't mean uh, the philosophy that says whenever somebody insults you, you challenge them to a duel. Andrew Jackson would have been a dualist if that was the case. But no, dualism is a philosophy that says, look, since whenever time or the universe began, or even eternity, dualism would say there's good on one side and there's evil on the other side. And good is a strong force in the world and evil is a strong force in the world. Good is never fully going to be able to overcome evil and evil is never going to be able to overcome good. They're just going to battle each other somehow forever and you human beings were just in the fallout of this constant battle back and forth between good and evil. And Augustine uh, read and thought about that heresy and thought about the Christian theology and the God that we serve, a God who is, quote, all-powerful, a God who is all-good. And he said, dualism cannot be true. It can't just be that good and evil are going to battle each other forever if God is who he says he is and if God is who he's revealed to be in the Christian scriptures. Um, good and evil have not been existing co or coexisting for eternity. The only eternal being in the universe, the only one who's not created, the only one who has no beginning at all is God. So God is the only one who's eternal, not, not, quote, good and evil. And it says in the scriptures, the way we're revealed, that God is only good. 
And so we have this account in Genesis where God created the heavens and the earth, and then God created mankind. And you remember every time God would create something, he would say what? It is good. And then God created mankind, male and female, and he told them to rule over the creation, and he told them to tend the garden, and he said it is very good. So God, the, the world that God created, he created to be good. And so because of that, then evil is not eternal. Evil has not been around forever. Good existed first, and then evil came in sometime later. Evil then, it acts as a parasite. Evil attacks and mars and distorts and harms that which is good. Evil is actually good that has been corrupted, that has been twisted, that has been distorted. Right? So evil is caused by humanity's abuse of free will. Evil is a privation of good. In other words, when they say a privation of good, that means that there should have been good there, but instead of being good there, the good was taken away and it's been replaced by evil and it's, the good was corrupted. Let me give you an illustration of this. Let's go to the next slide. Look at that beautiful baby that's being born. And when we rejoice, I mean, uh, some of you guys know this, our son Tyler and his wife Allie Swaney, they are um, serving up in Bayside in Granite Bay. Allie is now expecting child. She's in the family way. Uh, she's with child and they are due in March. Uh, we think the baby might be born around uh, St. Patrick's Day, uh, which would be awesome in 2019. And they will have their first child and we will have our third grandchild. And uh, they've already found out this child is going to be a girl. But let's say the child was going to be a boy. And look at, that, look at that little boy being born. Look how beautiful and cute and innocent. And think about a, a beautiful baby being born. I see a, a, a mother back there, you know, with, with her baby. It's, it's an awesome thing. Well, a, be a beautiful baby boy was born in Austria, in Braunau Am in Austria in 1889, and it's a beautiful thing. But unfortunately, that beautiful baby boy did not grow up to be a beautiful human being. Guess who he grew up to be? Next slide, please. That baby boy eventually grew up. And you say to yourself, how could something that beautiful, that innocent, that, you know, children are a blessing from the Lord, how could that grow up to be somebody like Adolf Hitler? And that's because whatever was good was corrupted. It was distorted. It was marred. It, evil is good gone bad. Evil's a virus that requires a host to live on. Evil is like an ivy on a tree. For each one of us, evil is not just something out there. Evil is something that's personal because each one of us has suffered. Each one of us has been the victim or has, has been caused pain by evil that has been done to us from something else. Christian writer C.S. Lewis, he, had a, he didn't have a definition of evil that I read of, but I know that he thought of different things as evil. And one of the things that C.S. Lewis thought of as evil was just the diseases that are in the world today. Because C.S. Lewis, his life was, was devastated three times by cancer. Upon losing his wife Helen, or Joy Davidman, that, that, let, let me just describe C.S. Lewis real quick. He married late in life. He was 56 years old when uh, he married an American, uh, uh, American named Helen Joy Davidman. They had a wonderful, fulfilling marriage, but it was short-lived. It was only four years 
until Joy got cancer. She actually got cancer, and then she went into remission, and then she got cancer again. And in 1960, Joy died, or Helen died from her cancer. And Lewis wrote a book about his experience with grief. It's called A Grief Observed. If you read the first half of that book, you would probably conclude, if you knew anything else about C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis didn't write that. And yet he did write it. And what C.S. Lewis wrote about in A Grief Observed is the raw emotional pain that he had uh, of what cancer and death had caused in his life. And he said this, he said, cancer, cancer, and cancer, my mother, my father, my wife. I wonder who's next in the queue. What's left, he said, a corpse, a memory, a ghost. Three more ways of spelling the word dead. So for him, death and cancer were illustrations of evil, were forms of evil that, that were, he was battling in his life, and certainly because of the suffering that cancer and death caused in his own life. You know, these are things that we don't really like to think about. It's not, it's not a fun message to, to preach, to talk about evil and suffering, and God, why don't you do something about it? Why don't you get rid of it? I know for young people, it's a lot easier if uh, maybe they've never experienced death. Uh, maybe if you're young, you don't know someone close to you who has died. I can suppose that when you're young, it's, it's a lot easier just to look down on your phone and to be constantly distracted, and you can sleepwalk. You can just sleepwalk through the rest of your life and not have to think about these things. You can do your best to avoid the harsh realities of life, and yeah, you can do it for a time, but I hope that you don't. I hope that you don't ignore the harsh realities of life because we really do need to understand these deeper things. We, we need to address the evil that is in the world. We need to talk about the suffering that it causes. Here's a question for thoughtful people. If evil does exist, and most people agree that there is such a thing as evil in the world, then does evil rule out God's existence? In other words, because there's evil in the world, because God is good, because God is all-powerful, because God knows all things, just the very existence of evil must rule out the, the existence of God. I say no to that. God exists, evil exists, God hasn't got rid of evil yet, but just because evil exists does not mean that God does not exist or that God is not good. Now, when I say no, I realize that it's, a, it's an answer and it needs more than just the way I feel about it or the way I think about it. I think we've got to think through this together. There's a great Christian theologian in our world today. He's got a whole uh, school that he runs in London, England. His name is Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias was asked, he gets asked this many times, because he's quite the apologist and he defends the Christian faith as well as anybody that I know in the world today. And Ravi gets asked on the question, you know, why doesn't God destroy evil? Why would God permit evil to stay even if it's temporarily? And Ravi began his answer. It was very interesting. It was kind of curious. He began his answer by talking about love. And he said that love is the highest, the supreme ethic in our world today. You remember in 1 Corinthians 13, now these, th now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And what is the greatest of these three? Love, right? So love is the highest. Love is the supreme ethic. You cannot have real love. And this is what, this is what Ravi says about God. He says, he said, the way God made us, the way God made human beings in his image, he says, you cannot have real love without weaving into it the freedom 
of the will. In other words, God's not making robots. God's not making people that have to do exactly what he wants done all the time. He created us with the freedom of will and the freedom of choice. And with that freedom of the choice came the terrible risk that free-thinking human beings would actually not follow in the path that God had for us, that human beings would choose a different way. And that's why Isaiah says this in his chapter, all we, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. Freedom of choice is the freedom to do uh, evil. Freedom is indispensable. Uh, so, in other words, so the very thing that's indispensable to love you know, if we want love and, and when you love somebody, you hope that they love you back. But if, but if you really want a, a genuine relationship with them, you have to give them the freedom. You have to say, I love you, and you have to give them the freedom to response. Love does not control. Love does not manipulate. Love hopes for the best, but it's, it, it has to understand that if you're going to be loved back, it has to be the freedom. It has to be a free choice of the other person to love you. And I believe that God in his plan and in his sovereignty, and maybe you say, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Well, guess what? You're not God and neither am I. It, maybe you would have created a world differently, but the world that God created and the way that God is and the way God created us is he gave us this freedom to choose. And with that freedom comes the risk that we're going to choose to follow a different path than his way of love. And with following a different selfish path, we're going to take the good that he created this world to be and we're going to mar it and we're going to distort it and we're going to twist it and abuse it. And, and what should have been good is now become evil. Now, the real question is, is that evil going to go on and last forever? Evil is real. Evil is a corruption of that which is good. Evil is what does harm to others and to yourself. Now, is God going to put up with evil forever? And the answer to that, the good news answer to that is no. God already has an answer to evil. God has already addressed evil in our world today. He did it 2,000 years ago. He did it with the founder of our faith. What is the answer to evil? The, evil, the answer to evil is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. Look what John the Apostle says in his first letter about Jesus. He says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy the works of the evil one. What are the works of the devil? What are the works of the devil? How would Jesus define the works of the devil? Well, Jesus says this in John's gospel. He says, the thief comes to steal uh, the thief, now when he's talking about the thief, he's talking about the devil or Satan. He says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And if you want to know, like, Jesus, what did you think about evil? How would you define evil? How would you define the works of the devil? He says that which steals, robs something of, of its goodness, that, that something kills or something that destroys. I have come, Jesus said, that they might have life and they might have it to the full. And I would add from our message last week about evil and what is God, what is God going to do with evil? God, why don't you get rid of the evil? That evil is here, evil is real, but evil is temporary. You remember what we talked about last week with that message? God, why does life have to be so hard? And one of the answers is life is short here on earth. Life is short and eternity is long, right? We have... Uh, only a short time here on earth compared to eternity. This life is a test. This life is a trust. 
This life is a temporary assignment that we have here on earth. And, and, and the vast majority of our life is not going to be lived here on earth right now. It's going to be lived with God forever in heaven. So that hope that we have, it also includes that evil one day is going to be destroyed. Because God says very clearly in his revelation that one day God will do away with evil. Look what John says in his revelation, the very last book of the Bible. He says, and the devil, boy, this is some small font. Can you guys read this? <laughs> and the devil, this is the first, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire. Yay, the, the evil one, the, the, one of the biggest causes of the evil that ever came into the world today uh, turning away from God, turning away from worshiping the only true God and wanting everyone to worship him instead, letting his pride overtake uh, proper, uh, his proper role in God's creation. There's where the devil came from. He's a fallen angel. The devil who deceived them, he was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. So the devil is going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And then, you, and then later on in the Revelation, the, it says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books, in these books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. And look at this now. And then it says, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. So evil is not going to be around forever. Just here, uh, in fact, talking about creation, talking about the hurricanes and the earthquakes and the firestorms and all the terrible things that happen on our planet, go ahead and read Romans chapter 8. Read the last half of Romans chapter 8 and you'll see it talks, Paul almost personifies creation. And he says creation is actually longing, creation is groaning for its redemption because it had been subjected to the curse as a result of the fall of mankind and Adam and Eve and disobedience to God, that creation was subjected to a curse, but creation is going to be redeemed one day, and all the evil things that happen with our, the natural disasters, they're all going to be one day a thing of the past as well. Creation anticipates the day when it will join in freedom, in glorious freedom, and death and decay will be no more. So here's the, here's the conclusion of the message about evil. First of all, evil is real. We have to, and, and evil, by the way, evil is real and evil isn't just something that's out there. Evil is something that, that travels, the line of evil travels through every human heart. We've got to uh, understand that about ourselves. Will evil be around forever? No way. One day in the final judgment, God will destroy Satan and evil and death. He'll destroy it forever. Next question, will you have to battle evil all your life? I wish I had a better answer than this, but here's the truth of what God says, most likely. And I say most likely instead of an emphatic yes, because it is possible that you and I will be alive still here on earth when Christ comes again. And when Christ comes again and we're still alive, then we won't have to battle uh, evil the same way all of our lives. So uh, you won't, you will have to battle all evil all your life while we're still here on earth. Now the next question, is evil, does evil have to torment you? Does evil have to ruin your life? And the answer is no. Paul says that our Christian lives, once we come into faith 
and trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, once we begin to follow him, once we join his mission team that's on this rescue operation for the rest of the planet uh, to take away that was, was fallen and to redeem it and then restore this fallen planet, this fallen earth with these fallen people, Jesus is on this operation and he's asking us to join us in that mission. Then Paul says that our Christian lives are to be given over instead of letting evil rule our lives or instead of letting evil come out of us, we're to be part of, we're, we're to be making the difference. We're to be the solution to the problem because we are the ones that get to fight against evil. Look what Paul says in Romans. Last verse of, of a great chapter 12, talking about how to live the Christian life. And Paul says this, he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, here's a question. If Paul says we are to overcome evil, you and I, we are to overcome evil while we're living in this world today, how do we overcome evil? Well, first of all, I'll, I'll, let me just give you a few examples. Here's some ways that we can overcome evil. You overcome evil by stopping human trafficking and slavery in this world today. Many organizations that are doing that, A21 with Christian Kane, International Justice Mission, which our church supports. Uh, ways that we can get involved to overcoming evil. Stopping human trafficking and slavery in the world today. You can overcome evil by feeding those who are starving, feeding the hungry. You can overcome evil by stopping those who are doing violence and harm to other people. Look what happened today. Look how evil got overcome with good. You can, and I put this, I said, you overcome evil by fighting for the release of a Christian pastor named Andrew Brunson. And evil was overcome with good because he has now been released and he is now out of two years in a Turkish jail. So praise God for that. Evil has been overcome in this particular instance. It says you overcome evil by recognizing it and confronting the evil that is within yourself. When you say evil isn't just out there, evil is also in here. Uh, evil is also present, uh, and I hate to say this because it's probably an anti-parenting thing, but uh, evil is also present in your children. The, the Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, but discipline will, will draw that out of the child. So anytime that you are, when you see uh, your kids acting selfishly or acting in a way that is causing harm to somebody else or causing harm to themselves, anytime you discipline your children and you show them that God's ways are right and just, you don't allow their foolish rebellion to develop into evil. That's a way that you uh, overcome evil. In, in philosophical terms, this is what I traffic in every week, in philosophical terms, this is the way I try to overcome evil. By tearing down every argument, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and you take captive every thought and you make it obedient to Christ. Any thought, any philosophy that is contrary to God, contrary to the Christian faith, we have to take it on, we have to confront it, and we speak the truth in love, and we try to persuade people that Jesus is the, only, is the best way to live and that Jesus is the only way to die. When we do that effectively, we are overcoming evil. You overcome evil by not paying back evil for evil, right? says that many times in the scriptures. You bless those who curse you. When they curse and throw bombs at you, you don't lob bombs back over the fence at them, right? 
No matter how much you disagree with them, you treat everyone with civility and with respect. That's one way to overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And how do you begin to overcome evil in your life? How, where does it all start? I would submit this to you. You overcome evil when you put your faith and your trust in the one who went around doing good, who went around freeing people from the evil's chains. From the, you, you put your trust in the one who took on himself the penalty for all the bad things that we've ever done or said or any of the bad things that were ever done to us. You trust in the one who after he died, he didn't stay dead, but he overcame death. Because even the worst consequence of evil, which I think is death, Peter said this, it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. You trust in the one who can rescue you from evil and sin and death. And then, now having been rescued, now having been put on God's team, now you join God on his team and his mission by overcoming evil with good in the world today. Amen? Let's stay on God's team. Let's pray together. Worship team, come on up. Lord, we recognize uh, undoubtedly that there is evil in the world today. Sometimes evil is attacking us. Sometimes evil is trying to harm us, either morally or physically. Sometimes evil is trying to pull us away from you, God. Sometimes we recognize that evil is out there destroying people's lives. And Lord, sometimes if we're honest, we also have to acknowledge that sometimes evil is right here. Evil's right here in our own hearts. And evil wants to master us. Evil must, wants to make us turn our backs on you. Evil wants to make us pass along the hurt that others have done and, and pass that hurt along to other people because we've been hurt. So, Lord, help us to stop the, the spread of evil in our lives. Lord, forgive us when we've gotten into evil. Forgive us when we've messed up and not repaid evil with good. Lord, we want to be better than that. Lord, let, let our failures and let, it, let your forgiveness, let the idea that we have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, Lord, let all that remind us how much we need you and how much we depend on you to help us resist evil, to help us resist the devil, and to say no to evil. Father, help us to open our eyes to see how evil is in the world today. God, help us not to just put our head down and ignore it or just go distract ourselves or medicate ourselves. God, help us to be your people in this world who overcome evil with good. And may Jesus, may you get all the honor and all the credit and all the glory for any of the good that happens that overcomes evil. Because, Lord, it's because of you in our lives that we can do any good at all. Lord, we love you and we pray we'd be your kind of people in this world today. Help us to overcome evil by doing good. In Jesus' name, amen.